engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. America, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. Glad to be back with you. Still under the weather a little bit, but that's all right. Now, welcome. Uh, the phone number here, 877-973-7425, although the phone lines aren't open yet because the call screener's kids started projectile vomiting at school, so has to go be extricated from the situation or some such. <laughs> all the joys of kids, uh, and, and I'm quarantine. So I, I got tested over the week. You know, I went and feeling good on, on a Friday when I was here and my wife finally made me go to the dock of the box on Saturday because I was feeling so bad. Uh, they tested me for COVID. They tested me for strep. They tested me for flu. I'm negative for all of it. It's just a stupid sinus infection, which I told them it was. I know what I'm getting a sinus infection, but it's kind of turned into this head cold. In any event, I'm here. I have an important announcement, particularly for those of you who are new to the program. Every year in August, this program brings our listeners together in person for an event we call The Gathering. We gather everybody together from around the country, and we get in person in Atlanta, Georgia. It'll be August 8th through the 11th this year, uh, The Gathering. We are inviting a slate of candidates, uh, congressmen, senators, governors. Uh, Greg Gianforte of Montana has already confirmed uh, he's actually the first person to confirm. Uh, we're we're going to work with the RNC on uh, an appropriate uh, level speaker for a, a a conversation on uniting for the election, for capturing the White House and Senate, gaining in the House. We're inviting the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, uh, many others. We hope you'll be with us if you can order tickets. The sale went live about an hour and a half ago, and I'm stunned by how many tickets we've already sold. Uh, you can order a ticket. All you have to do is text the word ENGAGE, E-N-G-A-G-E. Text the word ENGAGE to 33777. I will send you back the link to the page. Uh, text ENGAGE to 33777. Uh, the gathering will be August 8th through the 11th in Atlanta, Georgia. We're inviting great Senate candidates from around the country. Uh, Eric Hoved, uh, Tim Sheehy, um, uh, was it Greg Brown in, in Nevada? Am I getting his name right? Uh, Dave McCormick from Pennsylvania. We have a fantastic slate of people, uh, that we are hoping to get there. And Steve Daines, of course, the chairman of the NRSC, who's trying to lead the effort to capture the Senate. So hope you'll be with us in August. Text the word engage to 33777. You can order your ticket now. Okay. We got to begin with Joe Biden. Because Biden's got some issues. And I, I'm, I want you all to know, I actually am trying to be more diligent. Because if I'm tired of talking about the presidential election, and it's my job, I got to imagine that you guys are exhausted dealing with the presidential election. I will say again what I have said before and what I put on Facebook this weekend. I would rather get a root canal without anesthesia from a morbidly obese blind woman with a speech impediment than go through Trump versus Biden 2.0. 
to the extent that you are excited by the presidential election and the candidates, you should understand that you are actually well in the minority. You may be very excited. A majority of Americans are not. And a lot of people will take the grin and bear it approach of, well, we got to beat Joe Biden, so we'll suck it up and do what we have to do. And that makes a ton of sense because we got to get rid of Joe Biden. The Democrats are in total freakout mode right now about uh, where this is headed, what it's looking like, who's in charge, how are we going to replace Biden? I mean, CNN is priming the pumps. Uh, Their Inside Politics show yesterday spent the bulk of the show discussing what can be done to get rid of uh, Joe Biden. Because it's so bad. Ezra Klein is a uh, progressive prognosticator and pundit and columnist. He's now leading the effort saying something's got to be done. We got to stop Joe Biden. They're attacking Nate Silver. Nate Silver has a piece he put up yesterday. It's time for the White House to put up or shut up. Shielding Biden from public appearances may be a rational strategy, and that's why it's a bad sign. And the left is pouncing on Nate Silver. It's not good for the president. And then, of course, you've got Joe Manchin out there who is saying stuff like this. Well, uh, the audio died on me. That's fine. I'll get the audio squared away. Joe Manchin is out saying that um, the, the president can't unite. He's too progressive. And in being as progressive as he is, his inability to unite the country uh, and, and be hijacked by the left is a bad sign for the future. And in that regard, he's right. It is not a good sign for the country that Joe Biden is held hostage by the Elizabeth Warren progressives he put into his White House to bring unity to the Democratic Party. Beyond that, he's just too old. This is from Nate Silver. A president's approval ratings do have some meaningful predictive power at this stage as compared with a year ago. And with the general election matchup all but locked in, Biden's head-to-head polls against Trump provide some meaningful signal too. So it's no longer safe to ignore that Biden has consistently trailed Trump in polls both nationally and more importantly in swing states. Or that Biden's approval rating is just 39% and shows no signs of improving well below the threshold that would ordinarily make a president a favorite for re-election. It's become even clearer that Biden's age is an enormous problem for him. As many as 86% of Americans say he's too old in one poll, though numbers in the 70 to 75% range are more common, still an overwhelming majority in a bitterly divided country. In the past couple of weeks, a special counsel report characterized Biden as a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. In response, Biden conducted an impromptu press conference in which, defending himself against allegations of memory loss, he confused the names of the leaders of Egypt and Mexico and was defiant with reporters in a way that, yes, this latter part is subjective. I doubt many impartial observers would say came across well. He declined to do a Super Bowl interview that may have allayed public concerns, something Barack Obama did all eight years in office and Trump did three times and Biden did in 2021. 
There is no plan by the White House to fix this issue. So what Nate Silver's proposal is, is Biden can weed out the bad interviewers from the favorable interviewers, the people who will give him softball interviews, and he should do as many of these interviews as he can with as favorable a host as possible, do them as much as possible in the next couple months, and if things don't change, well, he's got time to drop out, release his delegates, and the Democrats can find a new nominee because, of course, for the Democrats, it's all about we got to stop Trump. And what Nate Silver has the audacity to say to Democrats is that Joe Biden does not have what it takes to stop Donald Trump. I've been telling you guys for a very long time now that Democrats are nuts if they think Joe Biden can't be beat. They're nuts if they think Donald Trump won't get reelected president. Democrats have convinced themselves that there's no possible way that normal Americans would vote for Donald Trump, and they hold their hat to a polling that shows like 53% of Americans will never vote for Donald Trump. But there's a problem with that. That's registered voters, and not all registered voters vote. When you actually look at people who are likely to vote, a lot of them are willing to vote for Donald Trump. And in fact, the views of his administration among likely voters are improving in polling. People are starting to think, you know what, actually, it wasn't as bad as this, and maybe I could deal with just four more years of it. He would be term limited after all. The fact that voters, and you can see it in polling, are beginning to rationalize that is a very big indicator of a problem for the Democrats. When voters are right now beginning to rationalize, you know what, actually, it wasn't that bad. I think I could deal with four more years of it. Democrats have a real problem and that they have no plan to change it is part of the problem. And so here's what the Democrats have hit upon. It is the same thing Republicans often hit upon. It's the thing that if you're on social media, you get a lot of. As you all know, I criticize everybody. I'm a pretty equal opportunity criticizer. Not a fan of Trump, not a fan of Biden. I would prefer Trump in the White House than Biden, but I'm willing to criticize Trump. And the Trump supporters out there scream and rail at me that you're just never Trump, you're anti-Trump, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter what nice things I say the moment I criticize him. Well, you were always never Trump. We knew it. Doesn't matter how often I criticize Biden. Uh, the Republicans are like, well, you're going to vote for him, aren't you? Hell no, I'm not voting for Joe Biden. But your tribe bullies you into submission and silence. So what the Democrats are doing with people like Ezra Klein and particularly Nate Silver and others who are daring to raise flags about Joe Biden in the same way as what Republicans do to me and others who raise red flags about Donald Trump. When we point out there are weaknesses they need to overcome, they want to silence you so that you do not point them out. It's like uh, killing the kid who cried the emperor has no clothes. You're seeing it elevated with Democrats now more so than Republicans. In fact, if anything, it shows the Republicans are a little more comfortable with Trump right now than the Democrats are with Biden because there is not as sustained an attack on Republicans who raise criticisms of Trump as there are on Democrats who raise criticisms on Biden. The Democrats know they have a problem. And to Nate Silver's point, if Joe Biden can't go out and do a series of interviews with softball interviewers and do damage control and show he can get out there, well, it's probably time for him to step aside. Biden says he's going to relaunch his campaign. Uh, it's going to be a reboot at the State of the Union. He's going to use the State of the Union to reboot 
His reset moment, Mike Allen and Alex Thompson call it an Axios. Biden officials see next month's State of the Union address as a big public reset moment, a chance to overcome or at least neutralize concerns about Biden's age and vitality. Many top Democrats are convinced if the election were today, Biden would lose to Trump. His address on March 7th is his biggest chance to shift public perceptions. But there's a problem with this, and you all know what it is. Joe Biden. Joe Biden did a press conference to allay people's concerns about the special prosecutor's report and wound up confusing Mexico and Egypt and missing the, the details of the rosary he got after his son's death. He screwed it all up. He can't help himself unless he stays on teleprompter. By the way, uh, one bold move Biden has considered is an executive order that would dramatically staunch the record flow of migrants through the Southwest. That could even happen in the two weeks before the address, allowing Biden to say he took actions while Republicans just talk. Here's the problem. If Joe Biden issues an executive order that stops the flow of migrants, illegal aliens across the border, it's an admission against interest he could have done it all along and instead chose to allow the issue to fester and use it for political gain when the situation became untenable for Democrats, not Americans as a whole. Joe Biden would have put Democratic Party policy and preferences ahead of the American people by issuing an executive order now that he could have issued all along. The fact that the Biden administration is considering it shows how desperate they are to now contain a mess they themselves created, and every single Republican will be committing political malpractice if they don't forcefully acknowledge that Joe Biden could have done this the whole time. Why did he wait for the situation to fester as much as he did? Release the transcript of the special prosecutor's investigation and note how Biden just did something he could have done all along. It's political malpractice for Democrats to be saying this. I got to just, just recognize here, out of the gate here as we start the show, the level of political malpractice and incompetence coming from Team Biden means Barack Obama was right. Barack Obama discouraged Joe Biden from running in 2016 because he didn't think he had what it took to run and better to go with Hillary Clinton, who lost. And now he's telling Joe Biden you need to shake up your team because they're not ready. Every single thing shows Barack Obama has been right about Joe Biden the whole time. As he said, never underestimate Joe Biden's ability to F things up. Joe Biden is about to screw up the Democrats' chances of winning in November, and Barack Obama seems to know it. Want to be on the show? Hello? Hello? I, I love your show. Call Eric now at 877-973-7425. Get the podcast, live stream, email, and social media links by texting Eric to 33777 now. There comes a time in campaigns where you got to pour gasoline on the bridge and, and burn it or burn the ships so there's no return. Uh, as I'm speaking to you live in Greenville, South Carolina, Nikki Haley is doing just that over uh, her presidential bid. She says she's not backing down. She will stay in until Super Tuesday. Uh, she would like to do well in South Carolina, but losing in South Carolina doesn't mean anything to her at this point because she wants to provide an alternative to Donald Trump. She then 
says it's not normal for Donald Trump to, for a presidential candidate to insult their military heroes and veterans. It's not normal to spend $50 million in campaign donations on personal court cases. It's not normal to call on Russia to invade NATO countries. Um, there are, of course, lots of those who say, well, she should have done this to begin with, um, but not really. She had to go through DeSantis before she could make that case. She also says, quote, I feel no need to kiss the ring. I have no fear of Trump's retribution. I refuse to quit and that she's dealt with bullies her whole life. That's Nikki Haley in Greenville, South Carolina. This big speech, uh, arguably there are more reporters there than supporters, but she's staying in. God bless her. Uh, I'm I'm a friend of Nikki Haley's. I will not attack Nikki Haley. Uh, I She's not going to be the Republican nominee. If something goes sideways with Donald Trump and he releases his delegates because he can't run, the odds are more likely they would go to a DeSantis or a Ramaswamy or a Tim Scott than to Haley at this point. Uh, but she's fighting the fight that she thinks needs to be fought as she has done her entire political career. What I just find absurd about the whole thing, though, is that Haley was and remains a fiscally conservative Tea Party supporter who came to power with the rise of the Tea Party, but because she's not in a particular cult of personality, she's perceived as being on the left, and yet all of her public policy positions are more conservative than Donald Trump's with very few exceptions. Uh, but this is the wild world of politics that we live in right now. She's a fiscal and social conservative from South Carolina who's arguably more libertarian on social issues than you or me, uh, but her positions are right in line with the conservative Republican Party that's moved on from conservatism and embraced populism instead. Now, I got to tell you about Vision Computer, which I think is a fantastic company. And, you know, we had the situation last night. So my wife uh, had to leave last night. Her uh, had her oncology appointment. And so she's been in Atlanta. She's up there today visiting with the doctor. All is well. But we had computer issues, and I never knew because my kid could call Vision Computer, and they took care of it. And I tell you guys about this, but this really is my life. As the guy in the house who's the IT guy who fixes everything, I don't have to fix my son's gaming PC that I got from Vision Computers. He just calls them, and they can talk him through stuff. And, and yet again, it's just something he he gets up there, and he's pounding on his desk, and he and his friends are having a good time, and he knocks a cable loose, and they can diagnose it based on what he says, and bam, uh, they got it fixed. They can do this for you. They can do it for your home. They can do it for your office. They can do it for your employees. They can build you the computers and they can service them. And their IT support is just fantastic. Call them at 404 Compute. Tell them I sent you. They'll give you a great deal anywhere nationwide. 404 Compute. Let Vision Computers take care of your computer needs. Smart, fearless, and occasionally funny. You're listening to The Eric Erickson Show. Greetings, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, I got to talk about the Trump uh, case. The, the, just, that, the, it's a, case in New York. Kevin O'Leary, you know, from uh, Shark Tank was on uh, CNN. Let, let me let you listen to some of what Kevin O'Leary had to say on CNN. He's been on uh, Fox News making the same case. 
Uh, wrong, wrong Wouldn't audio. There be many companies who would not want to do business or loan money to people like yourself, or they can get away with fraud and there's no recourse to protect them? Excuse me, what fraud? I don't, I, this is not about Trump anymore. When you I know. get a developer, when you get a developer that builds a building and he says it's worth $400 million and he wants to borrow $200 million from a bank, which happens every day, everywhere on earth, including every American city, Every developer is an entrepreneur. They shine the light on their building and they say it's worth 400. The bank does its own due diligence, as was done in this case, because they're very good at it. The banks are very good, and they say no, it's worth 300. We're only going to loan you 150 million. That haggling has gone on for decades. That's how it works. And then, in this case, even the bank that was supposedly defrauded testified and said we didn't lose anything. We want to do business with this guy again. We'd like to, but the judge said, no, 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 no. Let's penalize this developer for $355 million. And if we're going to do that, let's penalize all the developers all across America. They've all done the same thing. All of them should go to jail, and we should stop building buildings. That's what the message is from New York. Even the governor herself is concerned about what this looks like to investors all around the world. It's not just U.S. domestic. All well, around the world, people are talking about what happened here. You really think people want to invest money in New York after this? This is one of those wild times to be alive. I will now defend Donald Trump, and the people who love that I will criticize him will want to crucify me. But it was a terrible decision. It was a very bad decision. Let me put it to you as to how bad the New York decision against Donald Trump was. The Associated Press, not exactly friendly to Donald Trump, the Associated Press reviewed 70 similarly situated cases and found not a single one where a businessman had his business taken away from him or had levied such a high percentage of fines. This was a politically motivated witch hunt done by an attorney general who actually did have stiff competition for re-election by a Republican and needed to prove her anti-Trump bona fides by trying to go after him criminally and couldn't, so pursued him civilly before a judge that was already hostile to him. And I don't care what you say about how Donald Trump treated them and how he behaved, uh, you're acknowledging that the judge penalized Donald Trump because he didn't like Donald Trump's behavior, I suppose. But this is a terrible case. Let me give you the actual facts of the case in New York. This is what they're saying was fraud. That Donald Trump claimed the value of his real estate was higher than it actually was in order to get a bigger loan. The bank gave him the loan and Donald Trump repaid the loan with interest. Where is the crime? The anti-Trump people say, well, it's fraud. Donald Trump lied in the documents. But actually, you talk to any real estate developer in the country, they don't see it as fraud. They believe their buildings are valued at X. The banks in an arm's length transaction are allowed to review the properties themselves and decide they're not worth that. They're worth something else. 
It's not fraud. Uh, to say that it is fraud is to cheapen the word fraud. You're doing to the word fraud what the left has done to the word racism and all sorts of other words. You're cheapening the word fraud. In an arm's length transaction, unless Donald Trump is shown to have willfully covered something up so the bank couldn't find details, which is not the case here, there's no fraud. There are differences of opinion on the values of property. What they claim is the gotcha is that Donald Trump, uh, for purposes of property taxes, show the property taxes value is less than what he claimed the value of his property is worth. Any homeowner in America understands that your value of property for purposes of taxation is less than your fair market value for your home. The fair market value of my home is higher than the what the property assessor for the county says my home is worth, as it is for virtually every property in the country. That's literally the case here, y'all. I'm not making this up. Donald Trump claimed his property was valued X for purposes of getting loans and Y for purposes of taxes. The Y value was less than the X value, and the X value was higher than the bank, so the property was, therefore, it's fraud. In an arm's-length transaction where the bank gets to do its own due diligence and, in fact, did its due diligence and disagreed and gave him a loan for a lesser rate, and he took the loan and paid it back with interest, there's no fraud. The extent to which you're willing to say there's fraud is the extent to which you are willing to debase yourself because you hate Donald Trump. There was no fraud here. There was an arm's-length transaction where people disagreed on value. You don't have to believe me, believe the Associated Press, that in their review of all 70 similarly situated cases, none have been punished the way Donald Trump has been punished. It is a quirk of New York law for shareholder rights and the like that New York can pursue these sorts of cases civilly. This is going to destroy the ability of businessmen to want to develop property in New York State, all because the New York Attorney General and the judge wanted to get the SOB. And they got him. To appeal, Donald Trump will not just have to post a bond for the uh, demand of the judgment, like $350 million. He'll have to post interest as well. So he'll have to get about $450 million available in order to um, pursue an appeal. And that wipes him out financially, which is what they want. This is all about stopping Donald Trump. It's about retribution for the audacity of Donald Trump beating Hillary Clinton. And they still claim it was the Russians who stole it for him. If you think this was a legitimate judgment, I guess you think that uh, Alexei Navalny was appropriately put in prison in Russia because that was as political as this in New York City. And I think Donald Trump should appeal the case, and I suspect he will get um, judgment reversed or at least uh, massively, massively reduced based on precedent in this case. But what just boggles my mind, again, is that this was an arm's-length transaction. This was an arm's-length transaction between Donald Trump and a bank. The bank did its due diligence. They agreed to a loan. The bank, in testimony, said it would do business with Donald Trump again. And yet the state decided he did something bad because they hate Donald Trump. It is a, a, a trope that is true that uh, give a district attorney or an attorney general enough uh, time and they will find a way to indict a ham sandwich. And in this case, Donald Trump is the ham sandwich who was indicted. 
This actually isn't good for the rule of law. And I realize that there are those who hate Donald Trump, who think he deserves it, uh, he did wrong, but this is an arm's length transaction. And I've got to tell you that this is going to be bad for business in New York. The attorney general of New York and the judge were so desperate to get Donald Trump, they don't care about the political and, and business implications of this decision. They were just happy to get Trump. So they've gotten Trump and they can wreck the real estate market in New York as a result of it, and they will be very happy with it, as will a lot of Democrats. They'll be happy that they got him. Who cares about the potential consequences? But I can tell you, having been a lawyer who represented a lot of real estate developers in my years of being a lawyer, I've never known one to agree with the bank on the value of their property. All of them have tended to believe their property is worth more than the bank say it is. And yet they have to go along with what the bank says it is, not with, with what they say it is. And that's not fraud. That's an arm's length transaction where people disagree on values and the banks get to do their due diligence, which happened in this case. To the extent you are bitter with what I'm saying, the, the, that you think I'm defending Donald Trump, I am actually defending the rule of law. And you're not. I am defending the rule of law. Just because a judge issues a verdict does not mean it is the right verdict. Particularly in this case, I acknowledge Donald Trump's team screwed up by not asking for a jury trial. They should have asked for a jury trial, but they presumed the jury would be hostile, and instead they got one of the most hostile progressive judges in New York City hearing the case. It was a mistake for his team not to ask for a jury trial. But there we have it. All right. We got to move on to other things. You know, while this is all playing out, uh, the Politico has what they call a special report. Biden's brother used his name to promote a hospital chain. Then it collapsed. We're starting to hear a lot more about Jim Biden. And um, this is, I find, a crossing the Rubicon moment. When Julius Caesar moved into Italy and brought his troops with him, he confronted the River Rubicon. You were not allowed to have troops on the Italian side of the Rubicon, on the Roman provincial side of the Rubicon. If you came in with troops crossing the Rubicon, it was an act of war, and Julius Caesar did it, uh, which was an act of war. And ever since, crossing the Rubicon becomes the point of no return. It sparked the civil war that led to the rise of Caesar. It is a crossing the Rubicon moment that CNN, ABC, NBC, Politico, and other mainstream outlets are now covering Jim Biden and his ties to Joe Biden. In 2017, according to Politico, a hospital operator set out to build a rural healthcare empire with the help of a Philadelphia area consultant. The consultant, Jim Biden, had no experience running hospitals, but he did understand the federal government and had ties to labor unions. Perhaps more important, he was the younger brother of Joe Biden. The final years of the Obama administration had cemented the former vice president's towering stature in the world of health care, where he had made the fight against cancer a top federal priority. For then 67-year-old Jim Biden, the third of four Biden siblings, his ties to his older brother made up much of his pitch as he pursued deals that could help AmeriCorps make money from drug rehab, lab testing, and even cancer treatment. This would be a perfect platform to expose my brother's team to your protocol, Jim Biden told the CEO of a Tampa area company that controlled licensing rights to the experimental cancer treatment the hospital operator wanted to offer. Could provide a great opportunity for some real exposure. By the way, people were instructed in writing not to bring up Jim Biden's ties to Joe Biden. Couldn't put it in writing. It is fishy, fishy, fishy 
In September, the Securities and Exchange Commission accused one of Jim Biden's business partners of fraud related to loans to the company, allegations the business partner denies. There's a federal prosecution of a $100 million conspiracy to defraud Medicare that has netted a guilty plea from the recipient of the kickbacks. And now the House is turning to it, and it is notable that mainstream media outlets across the country are now covering this issue of Jim Biden and his ties to Joe Biden and the potential for impropriety there in a way they never did with Hunter. This is the media crossing the Rubicon in a last-ditch effort to force Joe Biden out of the presidential race. The media is all in the tank to stop Donald Trump, and they now realize, based on their own polling and their own focus groups with voters, that there's no way to stop Donald Trump with Joe Biden. So the best chance of stopping Donald Trump is to stop Joe Biden from running again. And if they have to drag Joe Biden's brother into it and tie him and his corruption to Joe Biden as a way to force Joe out of the race, they're going to pull every trick in the book possible because now is their time to stop Joe Biden. The media fantasy at this point is that after Super Tuesday, Donald Trump locks in the Republican nomination and thereafter Joe Biden can get out of the race, perhaps doing it at the State of the Union. They are desperate for Joe Biden to remove himself from the race because they are desperate to stop Donald Trump. And this is all an admission against interest. They now realize Joe Biden will be the one thing that gets Donald Trump reelected. It's hilarious to watch this happen. While all of this is happening, we've got economic turmoil abroad. We've got regional banks in this country beginning to realize they have a corporate uh, bond crisis. Swiss America wants to help you save your hard-earned assets. Now, they have a report, The Secret War on Cash. Your copy is free by calling or texting 800-289-2646. It's an all-out war on cash. It includes digital forms of currency. The government and corporations are trying to steer you to stop using your cash and your real assets and use plastic that they can monitor, see what you're spending it on, tax you, block you. The Secret War on Cash report from Swiss America is free. It explains what's going on. All you have to do is call 800-289-2646. Mention my name, Eric Erickson. You can also text that number. It's 800-289-2646. All you have to do is text my name, Eric Erickson. You can also go to SwissAmerica.com slash Eric, SwissAmerica.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or call or text my full name, Eric Erickson, to 800-289-2646. Message and data rates may apply. When the world seems crazy, he'll keep you sane. It's the Eric Erickson Show. Join Eric's Army of Activists. Text ARMY to 33777 now. Hello and welcome. I am Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be a part of this program, glad to have you. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. You know, I was uh, talking to a buddy of mine this morning who asked me questions about First Liberty. So they don't do loans for individuals, but they do for businesses. And he was frustrated. He's got a business and his longtime lender is retiring. He's looking for a new one. And I told him he should go deal with First Liberty Building and Loan because they frost have been around since the 90s doing this. Uh, so you're not going to have to, you, once you build a relationship with them, you're not going to be fly by night. They're going to be there. 
If you're a business and you're buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, something like that, you need $250,000 or more, reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com. FirstLibertyGA.com. Now, personal note here. Uh, I, 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 so I got lectured by a, a woman on social media this morning. I'm glad she finally deleted it, um, but it was aggravating. So my wife's oncology scans were this morning. She's, for those of you who don't know, she's got genetic lung cancer, stage four. Uh, nothing we can do about it, but she takes a chemo pill every day that keeps the tumors from growing. It's called Tegriso, um, and it keeps the tumors from growing. She goes for scans every three months because at some point the medicine will stop working. Should have stopped working after two years. She's now beyond seven years on the medicine, and it's still working. I did not go with her. Um I'm home with my son. I didn't go with her because, one, I'm sick, and, two, we'd already agreed that our oldest uh, has never been with her, so our oldest was going to go. And you, Given just health care these days in hospitals, you only take one person with her. So my oldest went with her. Some woman wanted to lecture me this morning on social media. Why was I not with my wife? Uh, meh, meh, because my daughter wanted to go, well, why didn't I go too? Because only one person, well, why didn't you fight? Blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm sick. They only let one person. It's not your life. Lady, shut up. Thankfully, she deleted everything. Um, did not apologize, just deleted it all. But nonetheless, um, it is a wild thing that uh, seven years ago, my wife was given two years. And seven years later, here we are. She did not think that she would ever see our oldest child graduate from high school. And she graduates from high school in several months. And then we are going uh, to celebrate as a family and go to Las Vegas, not because my family are a bunch of wild gamblers, but my kids want to go to the Grand Canyon and shoot machine guns. And you can do all of that in Las Vegas. I've actually uh, just uh, reserved the helicopters. There's a company out there I love called Maverick Helicopters. If you're ever in Vegas, Maverick Helicopters, they will fly you into the Grand Canyon and land you beside the Colorado River, and it is a cool experience. Uh, and you can do a sunset trip, and so you're coming back into Las Vegas as the sun is setting. It's gorgeous. But also, um, we go out there. There's a company called uh, Bullets and Burgers. That's the website, Bullets and Burgers. And you can go shoot machine guns in the desert. You can shoot uh, Barrett 50 caliber. You can shoot a machine gun off the back of a Humvee. You can even ride in a monster truck. It's a cool experience. And that's what my oldest wanted for a high school graduation. So we will take the family there. Um, but... We'll go through scans again in three months, but today the scans are fine, and I appreciate all your prayers. When we come back, the Politico has a big expose on the rise of Christian nationalism and what it would look like in a Trump campaign. The whole thing is really silly, and I want to explain to you why when we come back. 